Hi, everyone. My name is Hillary Kennedy, and I am the Program Director for Medicaid Leadership here at the National Association of Medicaid Directors. Thanks so much for joining us today for our first conversation in our podcast series, Leadership Forward. Today's conversation is the first in a series of discussions focusing on a new framework for public sector leadership, which was developed in partnership between NAMD, CHCS, and the Milbank Memorial Fund, three organizations with a deep commitment to developing public sector leadership. Today's conversation will be moderated by Gretchen Hammer, NAMD's Senior Strategic Advisor. Gretchen works with states in a variety of ways to support their strategic planning and operational goals for their Medicaid agencies. She most recently was the Medicaid Director in Colorado and also served on the NAMD board. With that, I'll turn it over to Gretchen to say a few words and welcome today's conversation participants. Gretchen? Terrific. Thank you, Hillary. Uh, it's great to be here, and I'm so excited about the topic that we're going to dive into today. I want to first, though, give uh, our partners a chance to introduce themselves. We've got uh, our partners from the Milbank Memorial Fund. Erica? Hi, thrilled to be part of this podcast. I'm Erica Brown, a program officer with the Milbank Memorial Fund. Great. And Mark from the Center for Healthcare Strategies? Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Larson, Senior Vice President at the Center for Healthcare Strategies and formerly Medicaid Director from the state of Vermont. It's wonderful to have this conversation with you today. Great. And we are also joined by two fabulous and extraordinary public sector leaders from the states of Florida and Texas. So, uh, Beth and Michelle, would you like to introduce yourselves as well? Hi, I'm Beth Ketter. I'm the Deputy Secretary for Medicaid, which is what we call the Medicaid Director in Florida. Glad to be here today. Hello, Michelle Leto, and I'm uh, currently the Chief Program and Services Officer with the Texas Health and Human Services Commission. It's great to be with you all. Great. Well, with all the introductions complete, I'm going to suggest we dive right in because the topic is so interesting today. As Hillary mentioned, over the last year, the Milbank Memorial Fund, Center for Healthcare Strategies, and National Association of Medicaid Directors have been working collaboratively to develop a partnership or a consortium given our shared commitment to the development and support of public sector leaders. One of the first things that we wanted to do together was to clarify for ourselves and for others what exactly we thought public sector leadership meant and what were the core competencies and skills that were really required to be successful. So we began on a journey to develop what Hillary described as our public, public sector leadership framework. We took time to study models from other countries, from some of the states that we work with, and really tried to hone in on what are the unique skills, capabilities, and, and if you will, the special sauce and ingredients that are required to be an effective public leader. It is quite different than leading in the private sector, and we wanted to raise up uh, those unique skills and capabilities that public leaders who manage complex public programs really need to have a handle on and build their competencies in to be successful. We built the framework to articulate the skills and capabilities that both legislative leaders as well as executive branch leaders uh, could build toward and strengthen to be most successful. Through that work, we really came up with five core domains. Those include one's personal leadership and self-management, the ability to set and manage strategic direction, the ability to engage and motivate people, 
the art of practicing good public administration, and then the real important work of driving and delivering results so that these programs can improve the health of those that we aim to serve and really deliver on the public promise of the investments that have been made in these programs. So today we'd like to learn about how these domains of, of capacities and the actual skills of being a public leader play out in the work that Beth and Michelle lead every day. So with that, I'm gonna turn our conversation over to talking with them and ask first, as you reflect on your successes in leadership, which of the five domains in the framework, again, personal leadership and management, setting direction and managing direction, engaging and motivating people, practicing good public administration, and then driving and delivering results, as you reflect on your success, which of these domains resonates most with you and how have collectively they contributed to your success as a public leader? Beth, do you want to go ahead and kick us off? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, I think we all agree that it's hard to choose just one. You really do have to have competency in all of these areas to be successful. But I think for me personally, uh, the domains that, that have made, meant the most have been personal leadership and self-management and driving and delivering results. So just a couple of examples from each of those in the personal leadership area, I think one of the key things is self-management um, and self-awareness. So uh, knowing what you're good at and where you, have, uh, where you have weaknesses is really important so that you know where to lead strongly if it's an area that is in your, in your area of strength, or if it's an area where you're not as strong, that you surround yourself with people in your leadership team that have those other strengths uh, or that you turn over certain aspects to them to say, you're better at this than I am. So that's been really key uh, to make sure that I'm not trying to lead um, when it's not my area of strength. I also think technical learning, especially in an area as complex as we deal with with Medicaid, I kind of joke that, you know, after 20 years, you, you would think you would know it all, but it keeps changing. So you constantly have to learn new skills uh, and new technical aspects of the work because the, the policy keeps changing. And then also in driving and delivering results, a lot of what I've done in my career is focus on process improvements and giving staff the tools that they need to do the job better. So that has helped to deliver results. And I think that's one of the areas that is, is one of my personal strengths is creating tools such as a multi-part Medicaid University series that we've done to train our staff on the, on the fundamentals of Medicaid and creating desk guides and process maps and so forth so that everybody can be on the same page about what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to do it. Terrific. Thanks, Beth. Michelle? Uh, I would... Um echo Beth's comments and, and agree wholeheartedly. My number one um, was uh, personal leadership um, and self-management. And I, I, um, I think self-awareness is one of the um, most important um, qualities that a good leader um, can have. And I've also seen when a, when a leader doesn't have self-awareness, um, how that can really impact their ability to um, uh, promote and, and accomplish um, their goals. Um, and um, it's largely because they have, um, you know, they're not quite aware of how their, um, how their style is coming across, what they are, what they are not um, able to communicate or do well. So even the brightest um, people, um, the brightest leaders, um, if they're not aware and open to feedback about um, how they're doing as a leader can, um, can really 
hit some um, serious roadblocks in accomplishing their goals. And so I would, I would say that's a big one. Um, I also think it, it lends itself to um, being seen um, as a leader that has humility. And um, if, you are, if you are a leader who receives feedback from your team, um, and I think the feedback that you receive from the people that, that report up to you um, is just as important as, and from your peers is just as important as the feedback you would receive from, um, from the person giving you direction. Um, and so that, is, that has helped me build trust um, and, and also um, help set up conversations that may be difficult to have um, around giving feedback um, to, to, the, to the folks around you. If you're open to it yourself, um, it's, it's easier to, to provide that to your team. Um, and I would say secondly, um, setting and managing strategic direction. I think specifically um, under that domain, putting plans into action. Um, um, as someone who is mid-career, um, uh, I would say that that some of my some of my success is is because of things that I was able to um, uh, promote consensus um, amongst a team really set a clear vision, set a clear goals, and then bring the resources in to accomplish those goals. Um, and so I would say um, it's it's surprising and it seems almost like a um, something obvious that a leader would have, like, oh, clearly they have a vision and they have a strategic, um, you know, they know how to put things into into place, but it's, it's something you really do have to work at um, and um, expressly um, make a priority um, to continue to set that direction um, and, and communicate it to the team. Terrific. Thank you for that. And I think even as you all spoke, part of that, um, your reflections on the importance of personal leadership and management, you know, led to how you engage and motivate your team, right? How you are conscious of your impact on a stakeholder community, right? So we know that all of these domains are interconnected. And I think your examples of how you you find those to be some of your areas of strength really, really highlight that for us. You know, I think we would be remiss if we didn't recognize that we're in the middle of a public health pandemic in the in this nation and across the world. And you know, when when we set out on this journey to sort of clarify and crystallize the real, you know, uh, skills and capacities of effective public sector leaders, we did not know that this is where we would find ourselves. But you know, these kinds of experiences, whether it's a natural disaster, which both, again, your states have a lot of familiarity with, as well as others from fires and floods and other things, as well as these public health pandemics, um, they can be a little untethering. You can, you can be sort of caught up in the overwhelming work that comes with navigating a program through this time, both if you're a legislator or if you're a member of the executive branch. So maybe if you could reflect, you know, over the last couple of months, how having clarity on what the real skills and capacities are that you need to be successful and and even having the chance to to know that this framework exists how has that helped you where have you leaned on or thought about um the underpinnings of your work as you've been sort of navigating these just extraordinary times well i can jump in this is beth i i think the the thing that that first had to be um 
focused on, and it probably always has to be focused on very early on, is engaging and motivating people. And I think that that is the most challenging thing that that I faced uh, during this public health emergency is that we we very early on went to all remote work, and in my organization had no experience with that. So uh, it was particularly difficult in the beginning to just make sure we were all staying on the same page when the situation was changing constantly. Uh, there was everything was new every day. And yet we couldn't huddle around a table together and figure out what to do. So we, we quickly had to change our processes so that we could stay on the same page, know what the priorities of the moment were, and, uh, and work through challenges together that no one had any, any framework to, to solve. So we were, we were making it up as we went along, as we, as we sometimes have to do. So some of the things that we did was um, to change so that we had um, regular meetings, a lot more meetings. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of meetings generally, but we have meetings all the time just to get everybody on the same page. So with my direct reports, but then their direct reports. So our larger leadership team every day met uh, and then also brought my leadership team into the meetings with my superiors so that they could be hearing messaging directly as well. So just a lot more communication overall. Um, but it, it is harder, I think, to tackle challenging problems that you normally would brainstorm and whiteboard and kind of really just uh, struggle through together in a room. Um, those are much more challenging. And it's also harder to know whether people are truly engaged when you're on the phone uh, or if you're on a video call, but no one has their video on, for example. Um, so it is harder to kind of tell whether people are really with you. Uh, if there's tension in the room, if there's disagreement between parties, uh, these things are harder. And so the motivating and engaging people is much, much more difficult. I agree with, um, with all of those comments um, and uh, from Beth. And, and I would add um, the two domains that I find myself drawing on um, the most um, is under um, personal leadership and self-management is resiliency. Um, and um, it, very much so not just for, um, uh, for myself and for my team, but also the community um, and, and um, wielding that um, resiliency when you see it um, to, to put a little more gas in the tank for um, continuing to do the work. Um, and I think um, also with resiliency is um, staying calm um, when some of these things come up. Um, there's uh, with tired, um, uh, tired and exhausted and, and scared uh, team, team members, um, uh, something that could be very small in a normal day could um, feel like an explosion to them um, in the midst of raw, overstressed um, uh, times. And so I think managing to stay calm, um, and uh, which is hard um, because as a leader, you don't always feel calm. <laughs> um, but to, but to, um, to stay calm on behalf of your team um, and then also stay calm and try to um, work through issues that you see um, happening in the communities um, around you. Um, and I would also say um, balancing strategic agility and focus is something that has been a tension um, uh, for us um, with our leadership here and, um, and with teams where you are deciding every day um, 
what your focus needs to be. And it, it, there's, a, there's a tension between we are still running a lot of our programs the same way, and then we have a lot of programs we're running vastly different. Um, and so um, how are you kind of building, innovating, managing in new ways, um, putting programs and services out in new ways while also making sure you're attending to um, um, a lot of this, the normal operational needs of, of a complex organization. Um, and that can be, that, that's a tension that happens between leadership and staff. It's a tension that happens between stakeholders and, um, and staff. And so um, I, I find myself navigating that quite a bit um, and, and very much so um, teams look to their leaders to, to make that balance. Um, um, and to help them um, achieve that balance. And so um, those would be the two I think that I've um, been drawing on the most. And as I reflected on the other domains, there are some other ideas um, um, in thinking about um, impact and what we're drawing on for COVID that maybe we haven't drawn on as much as we should um, and, and could a little bit more. Um, and so um, I think collaborating in teams um, is important. I think innovation is important. Um, this is a time of innovation. Um, and so um, thinking about how can we channel some of these um, sort of forced pilot projects with telehealth, um, with ways we deliver SNAP assistance um, that may be working better for communities. Um, and so um, it was helpful to, to reflect on this time, um, looking through the domains and seeing where we might be able to do our work a little bit better. Yes, thank you, Michelle. I think you also raised up, and I know, Beth, I've heard you speak about that domain of practicing good public administration, right? Just because you're in the middle of a disaster, uh, whether that's a fire flood or, or uh, the public health emergency, you can't just let all checks and balances, uh, you know, fall by the wayside. There's still a level of public accountability and the importance of program integrity and operating your that with, with integrity as well as the ways in which you operate the program and still meet the obligations of those members that you serve. So uh, I think you could hear that underlying um, effort in your comments as well. I want to think about or start to change the um, conversation a little to, to ask you all to reflect on how this could be helpful in the future, right? Certainly you were um, very thoughtful about how having a framework and having a clear you know, on the paper uh, description of sort of what is the skills and capabilities and areas of focus that a public leader needs to be successful, how that's helped you uh, as you reflect on your previous career successes and your ongoing successes, as well as now in this time of, of the public health emergency. But as you look forward and think about working on these domains with your teams, and or just how leaders in the legislative and executive branches could use a framework like this, sort of how could you see this helping you uh, support the development of your teams or uh, support the culture of your organization moving forward? Beth, let's start again with you. Sure. Yeah, I think this is a, a tremendous tool to use for self-assessment, which I think could be used in any of those settings. It can be used for yourself, for your team, for your organization, could be used by legislators uh, to just kind of look through this and say, 
you know, where do you think that you do well? Where do you think that you need work, uh, both for yourself and for your organization? And then you could strategically target training or um, other kinds of activities uh, or even just recruitment to shore up those areas within your organization. So I think that if we did, uh, you know, for example, training opportunities, you could really prioritize what kinds of training you brought in if you said you, you needed more help in a certain area. Um, or even just do even build up a part of your organization in a different way. Uh, an example for us is that a number of years ago, we brought in formal project management into our organization, which was very transformative to help us with these very complex, multidimensional, sometimes very lengthy projects to keep them organized and on track. That, that's something that's in the sort of the good um, public management side of things where you just have to have structures in place that assist you. So that some, some kind of assessment like this could help you say, you know, we really don't do well with staying on track with these kinds of timelines. What could we do? And that would be an, some, one example of an answer for that. I, I agree with those comments and would add, um, 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 Beth alluded to this earlier, where um, you build a team that complements um, areas that you as a leader may not have strength in um, uh, um, or developing strength in. Um, and uh, I think you know, you in these positions um, in in government, you're, it's not a startup. So you so you every time you take on a new role and have a new team, you've got a mix of perhaps opportunity to hire if you're lucky, um, and um, folks that have been there for a while. And so I think balancing um, using this to balance out a team um, um, and 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 everything from writing a job description to the hiring process um, to um, uh, then managing that team and, and areas that you may need to improve. Um, I would give a recent example where I plan to apply this framework. Um, I have a, um, a, a, a manager right now in the organization who um, um, is getting a lot of uh, flack for um, maybe not meeting expectations. And um, uh, so when I when I came into the organization, um, I asked for the job description um, and what are the competencies for the position. So I could say, okay, here's here's what we need from you, and here's what you're meeting or not meeting, or where you where I could provide some support or coaching. Um, and the job description had almost no competencies. Um, and so then I then I set out to then design. Okay, what would a manager in an organization like this um, need um, to do their job well, and and what are the competencies that people may be waging some individual um, criticisms, but is it about have we developed this position in a way that people are hired into it based on the competencies we've identified to lead um, and manage, um, or you know was it some other kind of and in government you know we always have a mix of people who are just kind of put in jobs for various reasons. Um, some because they are the subject matter experts, some because they had friends in high places, um, some because they just earned it, um, uh, and then some, you know, like me, who like land out of left field uh, in, in, a, in a complex organization um, and in brand, brand new to it. And so I think this, this list would help um, actually help find the words 
um, um, to help explain what some of those competencies are that may not be um, readily apparent, but are the ones that make a leader successful. Um, and then lastly, I would just say, um, I, I plan to use this in some of the mentoring that I do, um, formal and informal, and it's going to help me sort of, um, um, again, find those words um, and descriptions for what I am, what I'm trying to convey. Um, some of these, and I think that's one of the, the treasures of this tool, um, is that some of us know what we're talking about or we see it when it's missing, but we don't quite know how to describe it. Um, um, and then weigh those against against other um, competencies. So those are the those are the places where um, I would say I've already begun to use it and, and um, plan to use it much more. Terrific, thank you so much. Well, I am conscious of our time and I know that um, we want to also hear some, some shared reflections from Erica and Mark from their perspectives at Millbank and the Center for Healthcare Strategies. But Beth and Michelle, I wanna give you one last opportunity to share any reflections or words of wisdom, if you will, to uh, public sector leaders who are on their journey and, and thinking about, as you just described, Michelle, how do you both be a good individual coach and mentor, but also Beth, as you described, how do you set expectation across the culture of your organization that, you know, throughout our organization, we demonstrate and practice these skills, both as individuals, as team members, and then also as our culture. So any final reflections from either of you and Michelle, I'll start with you this time. And then Erica and Mark, I'll turn it over to you for final reflections. I would say, um, uh, Reflecting on reflecting on this in, is um, you know a luxury uh, for many for many public health leaders um, and and creating um, uh, the space to do it um, is one of the things I have found where I can add value to the organization and to my team um, and so um, I think having the having the tools in the toolbox having organizations. Um, that care about state leaders like all of you um, is is all for naught if if as leaders you don't make room um, for um, helping to provide professional development, helping to um, create um, the space for your teams to grow. Um, I don't think anyone comes into public service wanting to do a bad job. Um, they certainly don't come into it for the money. Um, uh, they're, they're motivated to do good work. And so I think creating the space to um, coach those people up and build teams that support one another um, and complement each other in terms of the, the skills that were listed in the domains um, is a leader's responsibility. And so I think creating the more, the more and more I, uh, the more and more complex uh, organizations uh, are that I end up joining, um, the more and more I realize that that space gets sucked up. Um, and so I think that's one of the most important um, things that we can do as leaders to support um, the application and the development of, of these competencies. I agree completely with, with Michelle and my, my take is in a little bit different direction, but I think in the area of setting and managing strategic direction, this is something that's really hit home to me recently because as Gretchen said, we, we just came under the tsunami of, of activity around the public health emergency and trying to respond 
appropriately. But what my staff have reflected back to me is how much they appreciated that after the sort of the very initial part of it, um, I started drawing their attention gently back to some of our other priorities to say, okay, these are still out here. Um, how do we need to adapt them to the current situation? How do we get these other things done where the deadlines aren't going away despite this? Um, and, and they didn't want to think about it, and neither did I, honestly, given how much work we were doing for the public health emergency. But the reality was that we had to do that. Um, and so we began to pivot, for example, on our quality improvement goals from saying, how can we still make progress on these in this new world that we're in. And for example, we had a, a large initiative on reducing emergency department visits that were unnecessary. Now we have this huge surge in telehealth. How can we marry those together? How can we take uh, something good coming out of the public health emergency and apply that to something that we were doing before that we, we can't continue to do in the same way we were working on it. So bringing that vision, bringing people's heads up out of the day-to-day -day is so critical. And we are the people who have to do it as the public sector leaders. I, the more I'm in this type of position, I keep saying, if you find yourself thinking, why don't they do something about it? you have to realize that you are they. <laughs> you are the they that has to do that. And um, so I think uh, that's critical to kind of keep the big picture in mind and, and be able to allow your team the space, as Michelle said, to lift their heads up um, and look at the bigger picture. Terrific. Erica, um, I so appreciate uh, those comments. And Erica, I'll turn it over to you for some reflections. Sure, thanks Gretchen. I'm gonna talk a little bit about this conversation and how Beth and Michelle's comments not only reflect on their individual leadership, which, which Mark will talk a little bit about, but also how it influences their teams. And circling back to the beginning of the conversation, um, you know, both of you talked about the domain that resonates most, most with you, and you identified personal leadership and self-management. And Beth, you talked about surrounding yourself with people who complement you and what you're doing and can be leaders in areas where you need additional support and expertise. And Michelle, you talked a lot about leading with humility and the importance of feedback, not only from your boss, but from the people that you're managing and your peers. So it sounds like personal leadership and self-management has been critical to your own success but it also certainly has helped shape the organizational culture that you both are building within your agencies and departments. Sounds like it's helped your team members succeed and it's helped your staff grow and develop to be future leaders. Um, and this I think will be increasingly important not only during COVID, but Beth, as you mentioned, to keep the momentum within state government to advance critical priorities, to continue working with communities and to really promote the health of populations, as Gretchen mentioned, which is a key uh, long-term goal and objective for both of you. So thanks so much for sharing your experience. Sounds like uh, you both demonstrate tremendous leadership qualities in all of our domains. And that's important not only for you and for your success, but also for your team's success. Uh, building on Erica's comments, I first want to say thank you both Michelle and Beth, uh, for both of you to take time out knowing your responsibilities these days in the midst of the public health emergencies in your state is a real gift to us and our, our audience. Uh, you made me reflect on the process that we went through in developing 
this tool to begin with. And we started with a appreciation and respect for public service uh, and leaders in the public sector. And I think you both touched on how, how humbling that work is and yet important. And uh, the environment we knew uh, was similar to what you have both reflected on in terms of the constant change and the constant uh, need to adjust and um, course correct based on events while you're also still trying to accomplish things uh, and trying to be proactive. And uh, I was struck, uh, I think consistent with Erica's comments about how you both started with a focus on self and self-management and awareness. Uh, it made me think about how in the midst of all the drinking from the fire hose that public sector leaders do, uh, that our most important tools are really ourselves. And the more that uh, we can be mindful of what we're both good at and not good at, as you have both pointed out, uh, the better. And it made me uh, grateful and hopeful that the tool that we have, uh, given the fact that public sector leaders don't get lots of time for reflection, uh, may help make that reflection faster, quicker, uh, and allow them to build on uh, your comments about uh, starting with themselves, but also then recognizing that much of leadership is uh, getting things done with and through other people, allowing that, uh, that strength to be able to be spread through the other domains, as you've mentioned. Uh, it, it reflected, again, our struggle in uh, how to acknowledge the individual competencies and domains, but also understand that they weave together in important ways. Uh, so uh, I really appreciate uh, how you have highlighted many of the things that uh, we hoped the tool would bring out and um, reinforced what we hope is uh, some of the, the ways that individual leaders will use it proactively uh, Beth, to your point about thinking about what are we expecting from folks in our job descriptions, um, but also diagnostically, uh, Michelle, to your point about when things aren't going well, how can we use this as a, uh, a resource to be able to figure out what isn't going well and how do we adjust? So uh, super grateful for your comments today and uh, really grateful for the work that you and your teams are doing. Great. Thanks, everybody. This is Hillary again. I just want to echo um, our appreciation, um, how thankful we are to have your time today, um, Beth and Michelle, and your thoughtful reflections on this framework and how it has been valuable for you and your teams. Um, we will continue these conversations. We look forward to diving more deeply into each of the domains in future um, podcasts. We also have a series of blog posts that are coming out. So we really look forward to um, having the public sector leadership framework out and available as a tool um, for all of our leaders um, who are working in this space. So thank you so much, and I hope everybody has a good day.